This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello and welcome to the show that's all about what's working and what's not in stocks and markets. I'm Sharad Kutin with Julian Ng. Today in the aftermath of the shocking election victory of Donald Trump as president of the USA, we're asking what are the implications of his victory on policy, especially in the tug of war between socialist and capitalist policies. The question is, which side is going to win. Today, our guest is Nohisham Hussein, head of the Economics and Capital Markets Department of the Employees Provident Fund, uh, more affectionately known as EPF. Uh, Julian, okay, you have a question for uh, Mr. Hisham here. So, uh, good morning, Hisham. Uh, morning. Trump won and markets recovered. But we want to start a little bit I don't with. I know if recovered <laughs> is the right word. <laughs> um, well, you know, just before the elections, the markets yeah. were quite spooked by yeah. the prospects of a Trump victory. After he narrowed uh, the opinion polls with Clinton, mm-hmm. uh, it came down a little bit. And when he won, the market recovered. I just want to go back to the zeitgeist of the market, as it were. What is your take on what the market wants? Um, essentially, what the markets were looking for was business as usual. Um, and I think Trump was a shock to the system. Uh, they were, everybody was basically priced in for a Clinton victory and they were looking at winners and losers based on what they thought Clinton would probably do, uh, which is essentially Obama 2.0 um, with you know so a few changes. But Trump is uh, substantially different, I think. Uh, the, his policy platform is a bit more extreme. Uh, there was far more in terms of fiscal spending. Uh, and, and a lot less in terms of, uh, I think, engagement with the rest of the world. Um, and, you know, markets were basically caught off guard by that. And, and we had to basically readjust. Can I ask you, I mean, this thing about fiscal spending is curious because on one hand, yep. oh, he comes from the Republican Party yep. that wants small government. Yep. That, in fact, much of the House of Representatives was voted in on a Tea Party platform for right. small – So. And that on fiscal spending, he seems to be uh, actually more aligned to the Democrats, yep. which have been blocked by the Republicans in terms of fiscal spending. So this you have this curious and paradoxical situation. Yeah, I also read something, uh, an article from the Wall Street Journal that uh, Trump is basically near Nixon who tried to get the best of both worlds, both yep. a Democrat and Republican, rather than a lot of uh, Trump's uh, Republican rivals who were more of a new uh, Reagan. Right. Everybody wanted to outdo Reagan uh, more than Reagan himself. Yeah, uh, it's quite funny because if you look at his policy platform, it's quite similar to Bernie Sanders, uh, exactly. which is all the way on the left. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and it's interesting that you said uh, earlier on you re- referred to Obama 2.0 because there were other options as well. And yep. uh, some people are you know, fantasizing if there was a Sanders nomination, the world would be a very <laughs> different place today. Yes, okay. it would be. I, I don't know. It might have been, you know, we could see the same reaction from the markets from a Sanders victory as we could have of a Trump victory because their policy platforms are so similar and they were speaking to the same, I think, constituency. Um, I mean, the, the strange thing about the markets, I mean, I, well, the most profound thing I've heard about the markets uh, in, the, in the aftermath of the Trump victory was, well, the markets are what they are. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, or the market is what it is, actually, is, is more to the point, yeah. uh, which is to say what? I mean, they price in whatever scenario, but all they want is predictability. Yeah, I think so. And the fact that they, the, the two candidates were so far apart in terms of the policy platforms uh, was... I think the key reason why we saw so much volatility last week um, and is total readjustment of uh, um, 
where the world is likely to head over the next four years. I've never seen this kind of total readjustment before. Uh, can I ask you, there was a, there was a difference in um, the bond markets and, and the stock market, right. right? So you saw a bloodbath in the bond market, yeah. but you saw a rallying, especially around stocks that are seen to be maybe going to benefit from a, a less yeah. regulated environment, you know, yeah. mining and, and stuff like, like that. Yeah. Uh, why? I mean, why, was, why were bonds hit so badly? I think essentially because um, uh, Trump's plan for uh, fiscal spending was so extreme. They're talking about one trillion U.S. dollars, and to put that in perspective, that's ex- uh, approximately the same amount of spending that Bush and Obama did in the aftermath of the 2008-2009 recession. This was a fiscal stimulus, but they're doing it in a period where unemployment now is at five percent rather than ten percent, like it was back in 2009. So you're talking about doing fiscal sp- uh, expansion in an economy that's very nearly at full employment already. Uh, so the upshot is that we would be expecting higher inflation going forward. We would be expecting higher deficits, a fiscal deficit. We would ex- we'd be expecting a higher trade deficit. Uh, and that's negative for bonds, especially the higher inflation uh, part of things. Uh, essentially what Trump is going to be doing, I mean, assuming he follows through, is to replace fiscal po- monetary policy with fiscal policy. And that would be, um, I think... You know, far more inflationary, and that's why bonds, the bond markets, uh, reacted the way it did. So I guess uh, now uh, Trump has to go down and and do the dirty work of formulating a policy. You know, I'm reminded of uh, in the last election, a certain question was asked, and I'm going to ask that same questions, same question with Americans now. Apalagi American smile, right? <laughs> um, and, and in this sense, I want to take this uh, slightly a notch higher in asking you to define yeah. the dominant economic thoughts that are out there at the moment and ask you to define what is uh, the difference between conservatism and uh, am I correct in saying a neoliberalism? That's the other end of the spectrum. I, I don't know if you can really look at it that way. Um, Certainly, there's, there's this tension between uh, capitalism and, and, and socialist thought, um, especially over the last decade. Uh, I think the big thing uh, that Trump has outlined and the Brexit vote, as well as the UK elections last year, and you know, probably going forward into the European elections next year, uh, is that this is really a backlash against globalization. It's yeah. really a backlash against um, the fact that there's been a huge redistribution of income over the last two or three decades. Um, Reagan started it off with uh, Maggie Thatcher. Uh, we had this uh, shift towards more neoliberal thinking, more towards capitalism. Um, that has uh, fostered uh, an enormous increase in, in global trade and enormous redistribution in terms of global income. There's been a huge shift towards emerging markets, China, India. They've all made huge advances in terms of uh, economic welfare. Uh, but you know, this reduction in global inequality has been met with also an increase in within-country inequality. Uh, and we talked about, I think earlier before we started the show, we were talking about the elephant graph and how that really uh, exemplifies what's been going on. Um, and income distribution, uh, the growth in income, and if you look at it, the lower classes did fairly well, I mean, from, from a global perspective. Uh, and that means essentially the emerging markets. The high-end did very well. And you're talking about the, the, the rich and the novel rich in the advanced economies. But the middle of the distribution, and you're talking about essentially the lower, the working class in the, in the United States, in the UK, in Europe, uh, as well as the middle income in, in, those, in those countries have not done at all well. 
And so we, what we're seeing here is essentially the, the losers of globalization making their voice heard. That was Nohisham Hussein, Head of Economics and Capital Markets Department of the Employees Provident Fund, or EPF. Uh, with me, uh, Julian Ng. I'm Sharad Kutin. We'll be back. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9. It's the SNM show. We continue. I'm Sharad Kutin, Julian Ng, and our guest, Nohisham Hussein, head of the Economics and Capital Markets Department of the EPF. Uh, Hisham, you were just saying uh, that uh, what under the neoliberal uh, regime, what we've had is a reduction in global inequality, but uh, in countries, yeah. uh, increasing uh, you know, uh, inequality. And that's fueled uh, resentment and displacement. And we see it in Brexit. We see yeah. it perhaps in the Trump victory as well. Uh, where do we go from here? Julian, th- what is the question now for these countries, including, uh, say, the U.S.? I seem to get the feeling that a lot of what Trump, when he went out there to get the votes, he was saying one thing and uh, that one, those, those things that he was saying is completely insulated from what he's actually going to do and what he's yep. actually going to how he's going to translate that into policy, those will be very different things. In fact, he yep. gives the impression that he was just using the mm-hmm. voters to win the election yep. and then he might do something else after that. Uh, yeah, we get that impression as well. I, I think that's a lot of what's driving uncertainty in the markets is that how much of the campaign rhetoric can we actually take at face value? For instance, the wall with Mexico. Now he's talking, saying, oh, well, some parts of it is going to be a fence. And then, you know, maybe six months down the road, it might be, well, we will do something else. Yeah. Um, and same thing with uh, Obamacare now. Now, he, now he, you know, it used to be he was talking about, let's, let's get rid of the whole thing. We privatize the whole healthcare system. And now he says, I want to keep the best parts of it. Yeah. And, and he's doing other things like, uh, you know, uh, dismantling that deal with Iran Correct. and so on. But, uh, you know, I just want to go back to the question of the kind of things that republicanism stand, stands for, which yeah. is, Small government, low taxes. Is this something that is tenable given that there's such huge inequality in the world? You know, this continues the debate of uh, whether it's socialism or capitalism. Yeah, correct. And I think the um, well, I think that's the part of the agenda. I think he will follow through with basically lower taxes. But I, I really, in in How terms does that of solve the inequality, problem? it doesn't. You know, really, and and you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of his supporters, are going to end up being very disappointed because, quite frankly, whatever he does, those jobs are not coming back to the United States. Uh, no matter what kind of tariffs you put in there, you know, you've been replaced by a robot. But you know, that job is not coming back. Um, the whole structure of industry has essentially changed uh, globally. Uh, so I think there's going to be – this is maybe the last gasp of um, um, the revolt against globalization. We're going to continue to see a, a disenfranchised underclass he, in developed economies. I'm sure he does want to win the second term, right? And yeah. if, he, <laughs> if he's not going to uh, do as promised uh, as, as per his label, yeah. then uh, they might not vote for vote him again. And let's yeah. say he goes the correct path and right. actually uh, tries to cater to the needs of the underclasses and the people who have been um, shafted by, I, is well, that right, uh, shafted uh, by uh, globalization. Yeah. If he tries to raise taxes, is that the right thing to do? And as far as markets are concerned, mm. 
you know, would we see monetary outflows because markets don't like higher taxes? And therefore, how do you solve this conundrum that you need to take care of inequality while keeping the money within your country? Well, you can always blame Congress. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about, I mean, you said the last gas is this anti-globalization movement. Yeah. But what about we have Italy coming up? Yeah. Or we have the, the elections in France and Marine Le Pen from, you know, the kind of right wing of far right in France is saying yeah. she's going to win. Nick Farage of UKIP says they're going to, this is yeah. a movement that's unstoppable. It's an inspiration to them. It's a motivation Absolutely. Yeah. to them. Trump is really an inspiration yeah. for all these right wing groups. I, well, I thought we, we thought we were going to see the same thing with the Scottish referendum uh, and it didn't materialize. Uh, I think That's because they thought they were going to be <laughs> within Britain, right? Right. Uh, I think uh, – let me qualify my statement there. I, I think it's, it's – um, we have to recognize that the balance of global power has shifted and is going to continue to shift. And a more isolationist America leaves a power gap uh, within the global economy. And China is filling that gap. Russia is filling that gap. So we're going to see a shift in terms of where the locus of economic activity will be. You're not going to get rid of China. You're not going to get rid of India. You're not going to get rid of Russia. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, I think America has to really think about where its place in the world actually is anymore. Um, and, you know, this trend towards isolationism will accelerate those trends rather than stop it. Can I come back to Julian's question about socialism versus capitalism or maybe unregulated, unfettered capitalism versus yeah. social democracy? Uh, the issue of growth, we're supposed to be in a kind of a long-term low-growth uh, you know, yeah. dispensation or regime, whatever you like to call it. Uh, how do the either system, either model solve the problem of low growth? I don't think they can. Um, I think what we'll see is that the political pressure for redistribution will increase. Um, you know, when you're talking about a low growth environment, then the distribution of that income becomes more and more uh, important. And I think the, um, essentially what we'll see is that we, we're in a lot of ways, we, it seems like we're back in the 1930s, you know, where, you know, this, there's this tendency towards strong men. And again, it, it goes back towards um, this desire of peoples to protect what they have. And um, it's going to be a fairly uncomfortable, I think, two or three decades un until we, we get to some kind of consensus about where uh, the global economy should be heading and how we should organize around it. Uh, and, you know, that, that, will, that conversation is taking place all over the world and including here in Malaysia. And given that markets are forward-looking mechanisms, uh, where do you think the long-term policy lies over the next few years? Are we going to see uh, increasing taxes? Uh, would, would Trump do an about turn and say, hey, maybe perhaps we need to raise taxes from the rich to redistribute? Because that is a proposition that is very hard to resist if you yeah. want to get the vote. Yeah, I, I it's quite odd because, um, you know, his, his, his constituency isn't necessarily one where, you know, high taxes would be welcome. Um, I, I think that's the part of – that's where he has broad-based Republican support. I think that's fairly easy to get through Congress. I think it's the only part of his platform that's, that will be easy to get through. Uh, so I don't think that the United States would be looking at redistribution per se. And I think that's a shame because they're the ones who really need it more than, than most. Well, thank you very much. That was Nohisham Hussein, head of the Economics and Capital Markets Department of the EPF. Along with me, uh, Julian Ng, this has been the SNM Show. And I'm Sharad Kutin. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.